Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokey Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating incredibly comfortable and officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight, discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip collegiate apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hokie hangover, Rutgers 35, Virginia Tech 16. The Hokies have lost nine straight games against Power 5 conference opponents. Five of those losses have come by 16 points or more, including the one on Saturday against the Scarlet Knights. And we are here to recap it. Ricky and Andrew are with me. Andrew is fresh off of a plane. He was at the game in Piscataway. Andrew, what's going on? I'm scrambling a little bit, boys, but I'm happy that you guys waited up for me on this one. Uh, you know, quite the trip to New Jersey. Rick? Cedric Mullins just hit a go-ahead three-run nuke. So regardless of how um, depressing the next hour is going to be as we relive the thrashing that the Hokies received, Last Saturday, uh, the Orioles have a chance to beat the Houston Astros on the road. Yeah, that's dope. Orioles are real good. So, yes. you know who's are. not good? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Do not want to talk about it. Too bad least... because we're about to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, well, yeah, the Hoagies. I thought you were making a Red Sox reference. I was going to say, well, at least we fired our general manager, got that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> but yes, the Hokies as well. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We have been texting about three of us for a few days, but we've been kind of getting our thoughts together as far as how we wanted to approach this. This is, uh, we joke a lot that we don't really do a lot of planning 
we do kind of our own individual planning, but then once we hit record, we kind of fire from the hip. This is probably the most pre-show planning we've done in a long time in terms of texting back and forth topics and the order in which we want to kind of attack them. I do want to start here, though. Are there talent deficiencies on this roster? Yes. Has Virginia Tech had injuries to key position groups on the roster? Yes. Is a Virginia Tech roster bad enough to be down three scores to a bottom feeder Big Ten team? No. Eventually, we're going to have to just have this conversation about the coaching staff not getting enough out of the current roster. We're going to have that conversation right now. Uh, let's start here. Virginia Tech had another, and just another really poor day stopping the run. Kyle Monagai scored three touchdowns, uh, including a very decisive one in the fourth quarter when Virginia Tech was trying to mount a comeback, a 55-yard touchdown run out of a timeout on third and one, where he bounced uh, a run that was going right up the middle, bounced it outside to the backside of the formation, where wide receiver turned safety Jalen Jones should have been. And Monagai turned that into a 55-yard touchdown to pretty much put the game on ice for the Scarlet Knights. He finished with 16 carries for 143 yards and three touchdowns, including that 55-yard touchdown run. Gavin Wimsat, 11 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. Guys, Kyle Monagai averaged almost nine yards per carry. Gavin Wimsat averaged 7.9 yards per carry himself. The passing game for Rutgers was a non-factor. Wimsat was seven of uh, seven of sixteen for forty six yards and a touchdown, averaged two point nine yards per completion. Virginia Tech has not been tested in the secondary yet, and I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Not because there aren't good passing teams on the schedule, but because teams literally do not have to throw the football against Virginia Tech now to have success offensively. This is a problem; it needs to be fixed. Where do we want to begin? So I'll start with this. Um, in in year two, you would you would hope that a defensive minded coach with a track record of fielding pretty solid defenses his entire career at multiple stops, uh, one of which is big time football in either the first or second best conference in the country, depending on how you look at it. You would think that he would be able to field a respectable defensive unit, particularly against the run. Virginia Tech is 127th in rush yards allowed per game through their first three games. They're, they're allowing 212 yards per game on the ground. Um, Is that bad? It's not good. <laughs> uh, and maybe, like, I guess the most frustrating part of this is that they're not playing Georgia, right? They're not playing Ohio State. They're not playing um, Washington or USC. They, they, they're playing ODU and Purdue and Rutgers. And Virginia Tech getting embarrassed by a bottom feeder, which is a great way to put it, Michael, 
a bottom feeder program in the Power Five, a program that really doesn't belong in the Power Five. I mean, let's be honest. It's embarrassing. I don't know how else to put it, man. I'm like, this uh, this shouldn't be happening. Virginia Tech has too many veteran senior players on the defensive front. They have praised their linebackers far too much publicly for this rush defense to be this bad. And for Gavin Wimsat, who we, we I highlighted this before the game, Gavin Wimsat was a bad passer, straight up. Confirmed, it is what it by is. the way. Confirmed. Yes. Yes, confirmed. And it didn't matter. It had no impact on the outcome of the game. If you throw for 46 yards, you should get spanked. And Rutgers wanted a blowout. They weren't going away. I mean, this was this was not a competitive game in the in late in the fourth quarter by any stretch. So I, I'm really trying hard to not just give up because I have been known to be emotional in instances like this. But through what we're at, what through we're 14 games now so far, 14 in. My question to you guys would be where has this program improved on the field? Because you can make the argument that they have improved off the field and that they're doing a better job with alumni relations. You can make the argument that they're doing a better job with high school relations. You can make the, the argument that they're doing a better job with fan relations. And I'll listen to all three of those. But I don't see a single aspect of the on-field product that has improved from when Brent Pry took over in week one against Old Dominion last season through the third game of the season in year two against Rutgers. Now, let me let me clarify. I'm not asking for a nine-win team, okay? We all knew that was not happening coming into the year, right? This isn't Ricky circa 2022, okay? Nine wins was not on the, was not in the eight ball. But damn, I mean, they they got throttled by Rutgers, throttled by Rutgers. I I did not. Uh, and and Andrew will tag you in here. I, I did not anticipate a three score loss. That was not on the bingo card for me in terms of like potential outcomes. and fifty six yards on the ground. Three score seven loss. And, seven and a half yards a carry for the team. What made this worse is that Virginia Tech went down three scores, came back, and then lost by three scores again. It, I, just unfathomable. Andrew. Well, well, what uh, you know, what I'll say is that first of all, you know, you referenced the the Monagai 55-yard run. And that was a moment in the game that unfortunately uh, is just so similar to what we've seen time and time again, which is a, the moment where you come to terms with the fact that it is not happening today. Like, 
slow start, obviously. Uh, and then they let Rutgers pick up some steam towards the end of the first half where you're looking at the scoreboard and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, we're going to get steamrolled here. And, and to your point, like, you know, they have the audacity to show that, like, you know what, they actually should be good enough to be on the field with Rutgers, which was not necessarily evident early on. And yeah, you, you end up getting steamrolled in the end. Like, this team, with the exception of, I guess, against NC State last year, has not shown itself to have a propensity for fast starts. In fact, it seems relatively frequent that they come out looking unprepared. To which point they occasionally pick up some speed mid-game. And then almost always fizzle out in the end. You know, th this is a team that, and this is why it, it, it's hard to, you know, buy the, the talent is so bad argument. Like, I don't think this is a talented team to compete, you know, win most games that they play or what have you. But, in most games, we all know what the exceptions are. They show themselves like, okay, we can we can play with these guys. And it seems either lack of discipline, lack of preparation, or lack of like physical stamina cost the game in the end. So you can't be a slow start team that can't finish. Then you'll basically never win. But yeah. it's uh you know, I, I actually picked 24 to 7. If you look at like VT Scoop, I did a a game prediction. And you know, 24 7 is not that far off from what the final margin ended up happening. But that's the closest it, one. I mean, that's the closest one I've seen or heard. Yeah. I mean, because in my head, right? You know, I'm thinking to myself going into the game, Virginia Tech can't stop the run. All Rutgers knows how to do is run the ball. You know, they're going to be bigger up front. It's not going to work out. You know, compile that with the injuries on the offensive side of the ball. And the fact that Virginia Tech, you know, was going to their backup quarterback with no semblance of a run game. Like, I just didn't think it was going to go well. But then you go to the game, right? You're in the tailgate. And you, and you realize, like, you're actually, we're walking into Rutgers Stadium here. Like, we should be, maybe we should be able to win. Like, you know, everything that I know about the game going in is, I throw out the window in my head because I see Virginia Tech playing Rutgers. It's like, you know, this is a game that Virginia Tech used to win 50 nothing. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's particularly, uh, you know, even though in your head you can know kind of where this team is at and see a bad matchup, like strength on weakness, uh, that's not going to work out for you. But it, it's still disheartening to see it happen because it's like, God, yeah, we've fallen pretty far that A, this is happening. B, like, it's, it's not even surprising or 
for some people particularly upsetting. Yeah. I, t- not just like losing to Rutgers, but losing by multiple scores to Rutgers, I think is just a pretty fair indication of how far the program has fallen. Uh, it's uh, not a good spot to be in, to put it lightly. So I was thinking coming out of the Purdue game that Virginia Tech was, you know, Tech didn't start well defensively in that game. And I thought got better as the game went on on that side of the ball, particularly against the run. Uh, Mockaby, I thought, had a, a strong start to the game. And then things got a little bit harder for him. And I thought Virginia Tech was resolving some of their run fit issues. The reality of the situation is they haven't solved those. There's no consistency, right? Um, A few things I want to hit on here. So Virginia Tech is now without Nasir Peoples and Jalen Stroman. Jalen Jones, a converted wide receiver turned safety, has been getting significant snaps, and I don't think that's working out very well. I would be pretty surprised if he's out there much at all against Marshall. I have a feeling that Monsoor Delane might be playing some safety in this game against Marshall because I don't think Jalen Jones has the juice at safety, guys. So that's one point I want to hit on. Second point is going into this game against Rutgers, the anticipation was that Alan Tisdale was going to start at Mike Linebacker. He spoke to the media on Wednesday. Pry confirmed that he would be starting at that spot. Then Tisdale didn't even dress with an undisclosed injury. We have no idea what that is, but must have happened late in the week. He didn't even dress. Jaden Keller, who's probably best fit for an outside linebacker role anyway, who's been in over his head at Mike Linebacker this year, now had to play. He gets banged up. Keontae Jenkins played three snaps in this game because he's pretty banged up with a shoulder injury. Caleb Woodson, a true freshman, is starting at star. Virginia Tech's defensive line. We highlighted this in the season preview. A lot of you will remember if you listen to the season preview. I think a lot of folks felt like Virginia Tech had, you know, a, a strength on the interior of the defensive line with Fuga, Kendricks, and Pollard. All three of those guys have re- regressed. They just haven't been very good. Antoine Powell Ryland has been fine at defensive end. He's been one of the more consistent players on the defense but he's just one guy and Virginia tech has really just lacked a solid pass rush on the other side of the defensive line. So defensive lines on a good, you have injuries at linebacker and safety. Your strength is corner because you have some depth there left, right? But now you got to move Delane to safety. You have canteen and strong likely playing corner, which is it's fine. It's not ideal, but it's fine. And you know, Virginia Tech has one of the best pass defenses in the country, but the reason why that's the case is because, A, they haven't played a lot of very good passing teams yet. Purdue was the best one by far, and they're just okay. And B, teams don't have to throw against Virginia Tech. So, you know, some of those stats, I think, are a little bit inflated, even though I do think pretty highly of the Virginia Tech secondary as it relates to the passing game. This is a coaching thing now, right? Like, the reality of the situation is Virginia Tech had some talent with their starters. The guys who are holdovers from last year 
aren't playing well enough. And the guys who are stepping in for injured starters are young and inexperienced and taking their lumps and they're not playing well enough right now. So this is where you earn your paycheck. If you're a power five head coach, that was a defensive coordinator like Ricky highlighted at multiple stops, fielded several very good defenses in different conferences across college football. This is where you earn your money, right? Prize making about $4 million a year. This is where you make your money. You think really highly of Chris Marv, Chris Marv, like this is where you step in. This is where you prove that you have the chops to be an ACC defensive coordinator. You get these guys coached up. Is it an ideal situation to be in? Absolutely not. We knew this team had a decent shot in terms of their starting level talent. But then if there were some injuries, they got young quick. That's not, not just on defense, but on offense. We'll get into that in a bit. But the reality of the situation is this program's not in a position right now where the depth is really all that proven. There are some freshmen that they're high on. They're playing early. But this is a tough situation. Um, Jalen Jones back there at safety. Moe Phillips, who... You know, he's been playing a lot, not playing great. He's a freshman. I, I think he's he has a really bright future. But I, I don't think Pry and his staff want most Phillips out there a ton this year, right? I think they wanted him to be in a reserve role and play some. But the when you add up the injuries and you add up the returning guys just not playing well enough, save for Kelly Lawson, who I think has been very good this year, outside of Lawson, I can't really name a returning starter that has played all that well against the run. He's been basically it. So this is this is tough on defense, guys. And we'll preview Marshall later this week, but Marshall's got a like thirteen or fourteen hundred yard rusher <laughs> that's in their backfield. Like the train's not stopping anytime soon. I don't I don't know. I, Virginia Tech needs to start stopping the run or else this is going to be a really, really long season. And that's before you even talk about the offensive issues. The last thing I'll say as it relates to the defense, because I don't want to belabor the point, but I can't think of a time in the 14 games of Brent Price tenure where this team is overachieved. I mean, they've played to expectations in, in in a lot of circumstances, but they've never punched above their weight class, right? They've never kind of defied expectations and risen to the challenge. And I think a lot of that is coaching. Generally, when when units overachieve, the first thing we do is credit the coach, right? He's doing a good job getting them in the right position. He's getting them prepared. Uh, he's making good calls. We're just not seeing that on the defensive side. And... um. As beloved as J.C. Price is, I, I think some of the criticism's got to fall on his lap here. I mean, I he's a, a fantastic ambassador for the program, and he's someone you want around uh, because he he goes about things the right way, but his unit just flat out hasn't produced. Um, Chris Marv's got to take responsibility for the not just the entire defense, but the linebacker specifically. Uh, Sean Quinn, same deal. Um, those guys just haven't. They, they, they haven't shown that they've positively impacted this roster uh, since preseason camp. And that's extremely concerning. And I hate to say it. It's almost like we talked about this when they guys got hired. Right. And we can transition this right to the, the offensive unless Andrew wants to add to it. Um, 
these guys didn't have experience. Chris Marr, brand new defensive coordinator, right? Sean Quinn, very little experience at this level. Uh, J.C. Price, for, for you know, as, as decorated as his playing career might have been, he didn't have a ton of experience at this level. Um, so, and the same thing goes for the offensive side. So I, I think that some of these coaching decisions may be starting to come home to roost here in year two where we're not seeing the growth that we would have hoped. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Hanging to a game at Lane Stadium this fall, need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to vividseats.com, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. Virginia Tech's wins under the new coaching regime in a season and some change are Wofford, Boston College, who went on to win three games that season, Liberty, and Old Dominion. So, Ricky, I mean, you know, to your point, like, yeah, they haven't overachieved. Those are the games that they've won. Like, they haven't won a toss-up yet. Like, the... There's obviously games where they've been outmatched. But there's been a lot of games where they have been outmatched. I don't think they should have been outmatched against Purdue and Rutgers. I mean, I certainly don't think they were. Talent-wise, you know, that's not Florida State. And you can say the same about Georgia Tech or the game against Miami team that didn't win a make a bowl game last year or you know, like half these games over the course of two seasons, like great coaching staffs get the best out of the talent that they have. And I don't think the staff has done that yet. But I mean, given how much roster turnover you see and you know, it was always going to be a challenge given the cover was like relatively bare before there were any defections. But, you know, maybe that's when bringing in some experienced guys, you know, to put around a first-year head coach might have been wise. Because you have a staff who's, every single one of them are learning how to do their job on the fly first time defensive coordinator first time offensive coordinator first time head coach ironically the one unit where a guy had a bunch of experience Derek Jones (laughs) had a bunch of experience coaching defensive backs defensive backs for two years have been pretty good yeah yeah they have and 
to to kind of go to kind of cap off Andrew's point, he talks about how um good coaching staffs, great coaching staffs get the best out of their guys. In college, they also address their weaknesses. Yeah. So let's yeah. let let's turn that right into the offensive line, right? Like this is this is probably the, the single biggest problem on offense. I mean, we can we can talk about the quarterback issues because they are plenty. We can talk about the the receiver depth being absolutely decimated. Um, we can talk about the lack of a playmaker tight end, which is fact check true. This offensive line has been a a mess from preseason. It stinks. It it, it was a mess in the spring. It, it was a mess in January, right? Uh, Mike, uh, inform me if you can. Did Virginia Tech add any uh, offensive line transfers uh, this offseason? Is zero in addition? No. No. Uh, in <laughs> fact... This is a very similar offensive line to a year ago. Sands Jesse Hansen, who yeah. had to medically retire before the season starts, which is unfortunate. Would have liked to have had him on the offensive line. But it's not like this unit was going to be and this is nothing against Jesse Hansen, by the way. This is just more just me addressing the offensive line as a whole. It's not like this line was going to be like leaps and bounds better with Jesse Hansen in there. And that's that's a, that's not even a shot, Jesse Hansen. That's a shot. This offensive line as a whole, it's just not very good. Caden Moore moved from right guard, where he was very good a year ago, to center. He was one of the few bright spots to center, where he's not any good. And I'm starting to wonder if Caden Moore should just go back to right guard and you just stream centers, like <laughs> play a freshman. I don't <laughs> care what you fantasy do. football. We're streaming, yeah, we're streaming them. We're, I mean, just <laughs> rotate them in every other possession if you want. I don't really care, but at least we'll have a competent right guard, which Bob Schick is playing right guard right now, and he is the highest-graded Virginia Tech offensive lineman, and he's not grading out very well. This is a <laughs> bad, bad, bad offensive line, and for all the good pride did in terms of getting an impact pass rusher, Antoine Powell-Ryland, which he did. Commend him for that. Addressing the wide receiver room, which he did in spades. Felton had a good game. I, he had an unbelievable drop that would have been like a 50-yard touchdown pass probably for Kyron Drones. But Felton bounced back from that, caught a touchdown pass. Felton had a pretty good game on Saturday. Allie Jennings, who's hurt, but had a very good opening to the season. And Jalen Lane, who proved he could be an impact player, uh, he's injured as well. But Pry addressed the wide receiver room. I give him high marks for that. He did not address the offensive line. The offensive line sucked last year. We, everybody just went went ahead and blamed not not the staff, the the fans just went ahead and blamed Joe Rudolph. Which yep. uh, fact check Rudolph's a good Rudolph is a good offensive line coach. You can talk about oh it's a scheme fit his scheme you know his offensive line blocking scheme didn't fit what Tyler Bowen wanted to do. If you want to like talk about the hire from that standpoint and how it wasn't a good fit and that's why the hire was bad, sure. We can have that conversation, I guess. But the, the conversation about Rudolph not being a good offensive line coach, and that's why the offensive line sucked last year, just doesn't check out. It doesn't check, it just flat out doesn't check out. You bring in Ron Crook, the offensive line who Crook, I think, is a fine coach. Offensive line still sucks. This is a personnel thing. You needed to go out and get better offensive linemen in the portal, and you flat out didn't do it. There was no reason not to address it in the offseason. I would have preferred 
I would have preferred that Virginia Tech address the offensive line first before pass rusher, before wide receiver, play chance black at receiver. I don't care what you do, but you have to address the offensive line because if Virginia Tech ran the football and played competent defense, they're Rutgers. They are Rutgers. Like they're Rutgers is three and oh. All you had to do this year was run the ball and play a little bit of defense against this schedule, and you could win four, five, maybe even six games. That's all you had to do. Look at look at the rest of the ACC. I'm going on a little bit of a rant here because I'm pissed off. But look at the rest of the ACC right now. Virginia Tech hosts Pittsburgh a week from Saturday. Pittsburgh sucks, but Virginia Tech, as currently constituted, I'm not sure they have a chance in that game. And Pittsburgh's terrible, and Pittsburgh can be had. Boston College. Boston College sucks. Thomas Castellanos is stepping in a quarterback. He's a dynamic quarterback and a good runner. I'm not feeling very good about that game in Chestnut Hill in November. And by the way, Virginia Tech plays UVA at the end of the season. UVA might have found themselves a quarterback as well who can run a little bit. Yes, he's got a little, you know, he had some turnover issues in the game on Friday night against Maryland. Fully acknowledge that. He's a true freshman. But he's a true freshman, and he can run a little bit. Virginia Tech, they've been great against running quarterbacks, right? Like, all of a sudden, wins are hard to come by when you can't Syracuse. stop the run. Syracuse? Garrett Schrader had four touchdown runs against Purdue on Saturday. And by the way, Purdue, <laughs> Purdue, they host Syracuse, and Syracuse goes into that game. They get up early, and, and Purdue made a little bit of a run in the second half, but Syracuse kept him at bay at arm's length the entire game. Virginia Tech plays Syracuse on Thursday night in November. I'm not feeling particularly good about this because Virginia Tech can't stop the run, and they can't block anybody. This is not good. So uh, back to the offensive line. Sorry. I want to push back a little bit on your point about this not being a coaching issue. I, I, I think that the offensive line is both. Yeah, it's 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 sorry. It, it's like, both. It's both. I think it's more personnel because now we're rotating coaches and the line still sucks. But yes, the co- the coaching is part of it. Yeah, for, I mean, sure. The, for sure. Ron Crook has not had a, a positive impact on the offensive line this year. He has not. Um, I, I think that I think it's fair to say that they've gotten worse with him running the show now. Um, but it is it is just absolutely frustrating that Virginia Tech has to bring in their backup quarterback to run the ball twenty two damn times to have any sort of movement on the ground. Kyron Drones had fifty four touches in this game between pass attempts and runs do either of you think that that's sustainable because i sure as hell don't so if if the plan is to change the running game by running drones 20 25 times a game this is going to work for like a week and a half he's going to get killed and then drones is going to get hurt and then they're going to be in the same position they were when they first started I mean, like devil's advocate it's kind of hard to address the offensive line in the portal probably harder than any other position they didn't bring like, in anybody. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, to be fair, he didn't bring in anybody. Like it was, yeah, like an abject failure in that regard. Like the best possible case scenario might not be that great, or the best possible realistic case scenario might not be that great. But there has to be a situation where you can use this to improve the team, or even just the depth. It's like as bad as it is, this is the five guys that they have said, like you know, without much internal competition, are the five guys. Yeah, 
Like and this is this is kind of low hanging fruit, but like Virginia Tech brought in Brock Hoffman uh under Fuente, right? And Hoffman had a good career at Coastal before getting to Virginia Tech. And then Hoffman got to the ACC, and at first he was just kind of like a so-so offensive lineman, and he developed into a pretty good offensive lineman for Virginia Tech. And just getting like one or two of those types of guys in here, and Andrew, I your point's well taken about the offensive line. I'm not saying it's easy to portal a bunch of offensive linemen, but you can portal some of them and just see if like one of them hits. Because, look, I, I made the Jesse Hansen point, right? Because like, Jesse Hansen, you add him to this offensive line. I still kind of think it's a mess, right? Just because of the position he plays and just kind of the the current layout of Virginia Tech's offensive line. But if you bring in like a center, like another guard, and then you add, and then Jesse Hansen doesn't have to medically retire, then all of a sudden the line is looking like much differently than it did a year ago. It's looking pretty similar. Like, Clements is playing a different tackle position and Xavier Chaplin's now left tackle. It's looking a little bit different, but like the personnel is the same. It's not working out portal, like one or two guys in here and just see if it works. I mean, the fact they didn't bring any offensive lineman in here is baffling with how bad the unit was last year. It's unbelievable. It's like unbelievable to me. Yeah. It's like, they're no like halfway decent kid at like Texas state that couldn't be convinced to come to Virginia tech for pretty much surefire chance to play a higher level of football. There had, to, there had to have been someone. <laughs> God. I mean, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like ultimately like that's the difference between like a six win team and like a two, three win team. Like I think about this all the time. Last year, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, one of those three wins, Boston College, had literally a first-round picket wide receiver and a decent quarterback. And they couldn't win three games because they couldn't block anybody. Like, it doesn't matter if you have Ollie Jennings or, you know, William Kakavitsis out there. If, if, if you can't block. There's a pull. We love that. <laughs> and, you know, even if Virginia Tech's passing game has improved and it seems like, you know, the blocking and pass pro is certainly better than the run blocking. But, you know, I don't care if it's Grant Wells or, or Kyron Drones. Like, we're not good enough to be a one-trick pony in any regard. But especially that, you know, you, you need to have balance. And, you know, currently Virginia Tech doesn't have that. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I somewhat jokingly tweeted mid-game on Saturday. Live read of the mentions. We can have an entire podcast doing a live uh, read of your mentions. I got on this absolutely harassed. I now know how Ricky LeBlue feels. Uh, Tough, man. I haven't had one of those in a while. I should join the party. <laughs> but I said, uh, some of you Tweeted Justin... Jalen Holston. Oh, that was banger. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. I tweeted, some of you owe Justin Fuente an apology. Which, you know, you can go make your true points about basically, like, cover being left bare, all that. Like, it's all true. Justin Fuente did set this program back. There's no denying it. 
I don't suggest that you actually have to apologize. But, you know, a lot of you that here on your high horse, like, oh, like, you're an idiot. Like, are you are you enjoying losing to Rutgers by three scores? Like, could this not be better? Like, I, I understand, like, it shouldn't be perfect, but it definitely could be better. It definitely could be better. Like, like Ricky was saying, the team hasn't really shown that much improvement. We still haven't had the big, like, wow moment, right? I mean, like, beating Liberty at the end of last season was nice. Team showed a little bit of progress in some games. And, I mean, that NC State game, for the way that it ended, it was kind of frustrating because, I mean, it showed that this team still had a long way to go in terms of not knowing how to win yet and like close games, but that was a pretty encouraging game, right? That was pretty encouraging with how Virginia Tech played. Nobody gave him a shot really coming into that game. And I understand that NC State was rolling with a, a backup quarterback, but that roster was a lot better. And Doran's a really good coach. And um, that was pretty, th- there were some really encouraging signs in that game. And then beating Liberty, obviously encouraged, like pretty encouraging as well, thinking, okay, maybe there is some progress to be made, you know, coming into this season, but it's, really just started out with a lot of the same. Yeah, I just don't think that, you know, the excuses and their are excuses plenty are going to be enough to justify like a two, three win season here. Like that can't happen. And you just had two very gettable games. You lost them both. Now going on the road to Marshall is huge. It's a pretty big game. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and what was the it, line on that game as of o- this morning? Opened at nine. It's now between six and a half and seven as of about 40 minutes ago before we hit record. Yeah. I mean, look, like we're digging on pry a little bit, and like I will say. I really want Brett Pry to succeed, not yeah. just because I want to keep watching losing football, but I do believe that, you know, a lot of the reason that he got hired is he has a great character, personality, that fits Virginia Tech. And he seems to envision, uh, you know, running the type of program that Virginia Tech fans can get behind it fits the identity of the school and the fan base and the alumni. Like I really want him to succeed. One that has proven to be successful and you know, like, but, a... but yeah, like, unfortunately, like the reality of this is like, it's not 1990 anymore where we can just like wait out Frank Beamer for six years before he starts doing well. Like reception is reality. You need to have in two years, some on the field success that makes it look like this thing is heading in the right direction. So you have a resume that you can embellish essentially on the recruiting trail as you continue to try to build the thing forward. Like you can turn it around relatively quickly, but year two 
you know, heading into year three is such a pivotal time to start picking up that momentum. You need some like proof of concept that this thing can work. And just with what we've seen, and then of course the external factors, like the team, regardless of injury, has some clear weaknesses. On the offensive line, you know, defending the run clearly. Uh, and then obviously the offensive line impacts running the ball. We don't have a talentless guy back there. Malachi Thomas has had multiple 100-yard games in his career, and, you know, Tootin was a stud. North Carolina a and like, I could envision he could be doing better than he is right now. He might not be the best running back in the ACC, but both those guys are better than what is being shown, either schematically or because of the offensive line or most likely both. So yeah, you have your clear problems that didn't get solved. And on top of that, like the injuries are compiling on the areas where you actually did seem to improve. And, you know, I, I'm just sitting here like they either need to patch up the issues that they had last season and had all offseason to patch up now week to week in season or, or this thing isn't going to go well. Yeah. Bad combination. And it's, you know, it's relatively concerning. Like, you know, Jalen Lane can come back from an injury. Like, hopefully he does. Grant Wells, if you need him, can come back from an injury. I, you know, I anticipate we'll see that. It might not be tomorrow or this week against Marshall. But these are your guys, and they haven't been able to stop the run in basically two years with the returners. It's like, yeah, you have three practices between now and Marshall, a game you need to win. And like you said, like they got a 1,900-yard back or something like that. So I've been sitting here in deep thought, and I think I have figured out the most important and biggest reason why Virginia Tech has struggled so much this year. If, you, uh, if you're able to take this thought and – We'll give you the floor, obviously, but if you're able to take this thought, get in Brent Pry's ear, there may be a significant pay raise for you. <laughs> so, if you're willing to move from Virginia Beach to Blacksburg again, well, I've done it before. <laughs> you have. Uh, actually, I was going to say, I think the biggest reason is that Virginia Tech keeps wearing white helmets. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we solved it. We solved it. Stop wearing I mean, the white I'm helmets. Down to try Stop. Stop wearing the white helmets, man. Come on. I was uh I thought there would be several things that could come out of your mouth there. I was not anticipating that no, particular mean, thought at that point in time. I, I I mean, I don't know how many other ways we can say it. Brent Pry has not lived up to the expectations that we had. He just hasn't. And it's September 18th, Virginia Tech's uh one and two. Uh they're they're expected to go one and three entering conference play. I don't I don't know that we're gonna hit that that even the four win threshold. I mean, Mike, you were reading off the the, the teams on the schedule. Like and, and and you and I actually had this conversation uh over the weekend where I was like, I dare you to find 
three more wins or four more wins on yeah. their schedule. Like, tell me how they get to five wins. Tell me how they get to, to six wins. I don't think any of us are expecting six wins at this point. None of us even predicted it from the start. Yeah. Like in the preseason, we all said five and seven. Like, and that was with games going well, which we're three games in. And I don't think any of us, <laughs> I don't think any of us would argue that Virginia Tech has played to its potential yet. Like, I don't think this is a great team, but I don't think it's played to its potential. So yeah, I, mean, I hope not. I predicted yeah, that Virginia Tech would beat Old Dominion, lose to Purdue, and then beat Rutgers. Well, they didn't beat Rutgers, so I feel like I need to adjust my season prediction to four to four wins. And right. They're going to go four and eight. Yeah, assuming that you know the rest of your predictions are correct, like that. And, it's and now four and eight. And if you remember, I predicted a win over Syracuse. Yeah, how do you feel about that one right now? Not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah. Not very good. Uh, yeah, not well. Um, Wake Forest may be a little suspect, but do we expect Virginia Tech to slow down a Dave Clawson offense? I was going to say, like, no. who's coaching, who's coaching staff do you more, have more confidence in going into that game? Uh, I mean, Boston College is certainly gettable. NC State, they've been kind of underwhelming. Um, and then Virginia, as you mentioned, Calandria has kind of flashed a little bit. As... He's going to be very good, man. I saw Virginia Tech fans like because it's fun and, you know, you get to dunk on UVA on a Friday night because you got nothing else to do. Like, that's a lot of fun. But Calandria is going to be an issue, I think. Yeah. Like, once he he's got a lot of potential. Th- Thanksgiving is going to be kind of uh, kind of sad, maybe. It's going to be stressful. We know that for damn sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hell game, I think, unfortunately. Oh, it will. Yeah. Especially on the road. Um, but it, it, seriously, I, I, I don't know what else to say that we haven't already said. Virginia Tech has to start getting these issues ironed out. The roster is not going to get any better than it is right now, but the, it's on the coaches to start elevating their level of play. And if they do, then we finish year two of Brent Price tenure feeling a little encouraged, maybe, that the coaching staff rebounded from a rash of injuries. And a tough start to to the year. Yeah, a tough start to the year. We're able to rally the troops and maybe get the five wins. Um, But if we end up at the three or four win mark and they just continue to do this every week where maybe they beat Boston College, who's pretty bad um maybe they beat virginia right and they they beat virginia to get to three or three wins or four wins it's like congratulations you're not the worst team in the power five but you're like the third or fourth worst team like there's northwestern and a couple other pretty bad i mean power five teams out there but you're not like the worst but you're one of the worst still (laughs) like i don't I don't think that Tech was underdogs against Liberty last year, were they? They were a 10-point underdog against okay, Liberty they last were. year. Yeah. So two times in Brent Price tenure, Virginia Tech has been an underdog to a group of five team. If that doesn't like kind of just nail the point home, I don't know what does. Maybe Virginia Tech does need to go to Conference USA. Don't uh, pause. Uh, okay, I I want to move on to something a, a little bit, a little bit happier 
I was I came away from this game against Rutgers encouraged by the direction of the Virginia Tech offense in some ways. Uh I feel like Kyron Drones is I feel like he's gonna have to be the guy moving forward. I so until he gets hurt. Until he gets yeah, until he gets hurt. Because 50, 54 touches, 22 carries. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So let's let's start here with this. Grant Wells went through warmups and there were some videos circulating from you know, a bunch of tech beat writers who were at the game. It was pretty clear that Wells is really banged up. So I see the discourse on social media right now. I see people upset because they read a tweet and didn't actually listen to the clip of Brent Pry talking about Kyron Drones's performance after the game. If you go back and actually listen to the clip, which I did, it's not nearly as negative as people think it is, right? Basically, the long and short of it is Pry said that, you know, Drones was a bit inconsistent, which is a fact, right? Uh, but he had some good moments and a lot to build off of. And people, for some reason, got really upset about that. They didn't say that Drones had a perfect day, which is insane. I, I don't get it. Uh, but people are really upset about that tweet. But if you actually listen to the soundbite and just do, like, research for five minutes, you know, you'd come away probably feeling a little bit different about that. Like, flat out, like, if Pride goes back to Wells when he's healthy, like, all things being equal, right? Drone's healthy. Wells is healthy. If he goes back to Wells, he's losing the fan base. And that's nothing against Grant Wells. But, like, Kyron Drones at least gives you an element, a a guy in the running game, an extra guy that you got to worry about in the running game. And I think that's important for a Virginia Tech defense that can't line up. And I was texting you guys about this, and, and we were kind of tossing this around Virginia tech just flat out with this offensive line can't line up in like 11 or 12 personnel and just run the ball at you. They're not designed to do that. They can't do it. The offensive line's not good enough. They can't open enough holes consistently, but there was some semblance of a running game on Saturday. Albeit, I I agree, Ricky. I don't think we want Kyron drones carrying the ball 22 times, right. In addition to his passing attempts, that's a lot, but I, I do feel like Tyler Bowen, seemed more comfortable with Kyron drones in a quarterback in terms of mixing things up with run and pass, moving the pocket. It was pretty clear that Virginia tech's offense opened up a little bit against Rutgers. I understand the result was the net. The end result is still 16 points. It should have been more than that. Daquan Felton who had a good game. I don't want to just sit here and shit all over him. He had a good game, but he dropped a, beautiful ball by drones Felton got behind his man had the guy beat by two or three yards and the ball went right through his hands in what would have been if not a touchdown a very long gain um Wells probably or I'm sorry drones probably would have finished with 240 or 250 yards passing if that pass was completed um I saw enough out of the offense with drones running the show to be encouraged about moving forward and I think he should be the guy all things equal when everybody's healthy what do you guys think I mean, like, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I'd like to see more. Obviously, there were periods of time when uh, you watch it and you could see how how this would work and how this could be fun going forward. And kind of like you mentioned, the 
running threat at quarterback opens things up in the regular run game and maybe coats a little bit of Virginia Tech's weaknesses. Now they, you know, scored 16 points in the end. You know, call it 19, we'll give them the missed field goal back. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see more. I, I'm not going to say, based on a performance where the offense put up 16 points, that this guy is certainly the better option and that we should roll with him no matter what. You know, but if we can see a similar style of play with a little more success against Marshall, and, you know, especially if they could come away with a victory there, it's like, you know what, why not? But let's not forget that, you know, Grant Wells did look like he had improved for, you know, the old Dominion game and then re-injury against Purdue. Now, granted, like, those aren't world beater secondaries. doesn't necessarily mean everything. But, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of drones before I crown him the king. With that being said, This does put us in a situation where the job should be Drones's to lose upon the return of Wells from injury. Like, this isn't a situation where, by any means, Wells should come back and certainly replace Drones, regardless of what Drones does. You know, I don't think we've had a quarterback situation like that at Virginia Tech in a long time, clearly. But obviously there are programs throughout college football where that would be the case, that there, there's not much the backup could do to unseat the starter. No, it is the impetus of the backup now in Kyron Drones. Like, he, he is the starter until he plays himself out of the position. I don't see much of a difference. Um Virginia Tech scored 16 points. They only moved the ball because they abused their quarterback. Um, I think my biggest issue with with Virginia Tech's offense right now is that they, they kind of did the same thing they did against Purdue where they got hot for a couple drives. Um, if, if you go and look up, up at the, the uh, drive chart, Virginia Tech goes fumble, punt, missed field goal, punt, field goal, interception, punt, end of half, punt, and then they score back-to-back touchdowns. Um, That's essentially kind of like the reverse of the Purdue game where Virginia Tech got hot in the second quarter and scored three times. And to me, it just seems like this is the same exact thing that happened in this game. Virginia Tech got hot for a little bit. Yes, I think drones may give the offense a bit higher of a ceiling given his athleticism and his ability to be a physical runner. But I wasn't all, I didn't come away all that impressed uh, in this game. Um, the turnovers are a problem. The reliance on drones to move the football as your primary method is a problem. The wide receiver play outside of Ollie Jennings and Jalen Lane is pretty scary. Um I, I was kind of hoping to see a bit more of Steven Gosnell in this one, but he only had two catches. So 
for me, the offense still has a ton to prove. I'm fine with playing drones over Wells because Wells certainly didn't earn the starting job with his uh, performances in the first two games. So if, if they, if they keep playing drones against Marshall, I'm fine with that. And if they want to play him, um, even when Wells comes back healthy, I, I'm not going to sit here and oppose it, but I still just haven't seen a big enough difference to feel better about the future of the offense moving forward, especially since we continue to see an offensive line that struggles to run the football. I just think with drones in there, it was pretty apparent to me that there's just an added element to the running game. That's just not there when Wells is in the lineup. I mean, Virginia tech can't run the football. I mean, and, back and, there. and I, and I don't disagree with you, but the end result didn't really change. No, 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 no. The, I mean, they scored, look, tech scored 16 points had, uh, as I, as I look it up now, like a little over 300 yards of offense. Like it wasn't like a spectacular performance, but it just seems like drones back there with how they roll the pocket with him, which they could have done with Wells, right? I, I don't know why they didn't roll the pocket with Wells. That's, that's a question for Tyler Bowen. That's uh, Wells is not like a statue. Like he can move a little bit. Yeah. Now drones is the more athletic runner for sure, but it's not like Wells is helpless or not athletic at all. Like he, he's more than capable of I, I wrote a whole piece last year about how Virginia Tech needed to get him on the move more. You did. Yeah, uh, you mentioned because that it, it made things more comfortable for him. You mentioned that, and you also mentioned that Virginia Tech could use him a little bit more in the running game. And you mentioned that in the season preview too. And Virginia Tech didn't do a ton of that. They didn't roll the pocket in the first few games, and they ran Wells a little bit more than last year, but not a ton. And the play calling on Saturday makes it seem like Drones is obviously more comfortable running than throwing. But with the way he threw the ball on Saturday, absent two very good playmakers, I didn't see too much of a drop off in the in the passing game in terms of like, oh, there's a definite difference. There's this wide gap like Pry and his staff all offseason. And this reminded me a lot of Justin Fuente and his staff. They made it seem like there was like an ocean between the passing ability of Grant Wells and Kyron Drones. And through one game, I don't see it that way. Now, again, it's one game, small sample size. We'll see what happens against Marshall. But I didn't see like this huge drop off in the passing game between Wells and Drones. And it was similar messaging by Fuente and his staff with Ryan Willis and Hendon Hooker. And come to find out, Hendon Hooker was not that bad of a passer, right? He wasn't like Tennessee Hendon Hooker. Let's not play revisionist history and act like he was a Heisman Trophy passer at Virginia Tech. He wasn't, but he was better than advertised, right? And I think through one game, with the way Pry and his staff made it seem, they made it clear they wanted to play drones, right? They made that clear. They wanted to play him. You were going to see him, you know, in the action. They and it obviously, took an injury from Wells for him to actually for him to play actually, a fair amount. That That's correct. So it's it's odd because they're kind of talking off both sides of their mouth, right? They're talking about drones as the running element, which I think is true, but they were acting like Wells was like far and away the better passer, and that's who they were rolling with, which is fine to start the year. And I think we all agreed that that was fine because Wells had the experience in the offense. I get all that. But when you're lining up and not running the football well, 
and teams are just like loading the box and daring you to throw. And Grant Wells is a guy who throws a lot of questionable passes over the middle of the field, like high and inaccurate, which is what he was doing, especially against Purdue. Again, he got hurt. I get that. He was banged up. But that was something that he's done throughout his career. I don't think going to drones is a bad thing only because I think the running game Virginia Tech has some semblance of a running game on Saturday against a good Rutgers defense. Like, this is a good Rutgers defense. There were some signs. It was not consistent. Tech scored 16 points. Let's not blow it up to be more than it was. Virginia Tech had a little over 300 yards of offense. It wasn't a spectacular performance, but I think there were signs of life in the running game, which I think is important enough moving forward that I think Drones should be the guy, at least until Wells is healthy, and then... We'll have a bigger sample size on drones. Then we can make whatever decision we want. But I think for now, like Tech's going to have no choice but to roll with drones. And then we'll see if he can improve on a uneven performance in the game against Rutgers. There was some good, some bad. It's a hard judgment to make, right? Because first of all, like, again, I did endorse Wells starting at the beginning just because, you know, once again, you couldn't lose to Old Dominion. Thank God they didn't lose to Old Dominion. So throwing a guy in for his first collegiate start at that point, uh, I thought would be relatively foolish. Like, what is the gap as a passer between drones and, and wells? I mean, you know, it's hard to tell given the limited sample size that we have. But if the offense can hum and be a little bit more balanced, it might be worth giving that up. Like, the counter argument would be if throwing the ball is you know, going to be Virginia Tech's offensive strength, why would we compromise that by putting in a lesser passer? I think that argument is different today on the assumption that Ollie Jennings is going to be out for a long time, right? You know, how much different are things with Jalen Lane as your number one rather than your number two? Agreed. Like, and like not how only much that, can Wells really do given the talent that he has around him? And and not only that, Andrew, but like I just think through one game we haven't seen enough like poor passing out of drones yet to really I guess that was my whole point. Like we haven't seen this like wide gap between Wells and drones, like Brian and staff were suggesting. Now, like if there are more games and now the film, right? The film's out on drones and maybe things are a little bit different. Uh you know, maybe he struggles a bit more as a passer. I think, you know, obviously we go back and entertain that conversation of, okay, maybe Drones is the worst passer of the two. But, like, based on what I've seen so far, I didn't see, like, a defined difference in the passing game that I can place on Drones, right? Like, yes, you, you didn't have Jennings, you didn't have Lane, but, like, Virginia Tech's inconsistencies in the passing game on Saturday, I don't think if you throw Grant Wells in there healthy, Virginia Tech all of a sudden throws for like 350 or 400 yards or something. You know what I mean? I don't think there was like, if you throw Wells in there, that's the difference between winning and losing. I mean, Tech got blown out. I think it was the defense's fault and <laughs> offensive line still didn't play great. And what's but, the saying? If you have two quarterbacks, don't have any. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's making the argument that, you know, Grant Wells is the difference maker in that game. But yeah, I mean, it, it's what we'll find out, right? Like, is Drones a competent passer? I mean, we'll find out over a larger sample size. Uh, and then we'll confirm or deny 
the notion with a larger sample size that, you know, having drones behind Senar and the threat that he has with his legs can create offense and open up the traditional running game a little bit more. Like, you know, it would have to be a, if that's true, it would have to be a pretty big gap between Wells and drones as a passer. Like drones would have to show himself to be a very bad passer in order for in the long run, especially given who has the higher ceiling, given the fact that, you know, we're not playing for the ACC championship this year and someone had to look towards the future anyway. Given the fact that Jennings is going to miss extended time anyway, like, you know, he'd have to be really bad. Like the Rutgers game would have to be his ceiling game as a passer. <laughs> that, that was kind of my, yeah, that was kind of my thought. That was kind of my thought. How important is this Marshall game, guys? I mean, optics matter. This is yeah. a game that Virginia Tech scheduled. It's, it's on the schedule yeah. because in 2018, an otherwise bad Virginia Tech team needed to pick up a win at the end of the season to keep the bowl streak alive. Yep. That's why we're going to Marshall. And now, you know, five years later, we go into that game as underdogs. This game's arguably much more important than that. I, I understand it was to make a bowl game, keep the bowl streak alive. But, like, this is arguably, in my opinion, a much more important game for program direction than that Marshall game was. Well, so let me ask you guys this. If if Virginia Tech loses on Saturday, what changes? Vibes. The vibes are pretty bad right now as it is. No, I mean, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I guess the other way. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it would be like a win. A win would change the vibes. Otherwise, yeah. It's yeah but keep but sliding. if but if Virginia Tech goes out there and loses by even if it's just seven, which is the what I saw the spread was today, um, does does that really change your view of where we're at right now? Because I kind of I, I kind of see us there already. Well, Ricky, the point being that like the status quo is not good. And at some point, Virginia Tech needs to do something to yeah, change yeah. And, the status quo. Yeah, I have, I, I absolutely agree with you. But my point is, is that like, yes, this game is, is important, but aside from like a 30 point loss to Marshall, which Jesus Christ, please, let's not have that. Aside from a blowout loss to Marshall, I don't know that losing this game really changes the calculus as to how I look at this program right now. I mean, Virginia Tech is already a bottom feeder in the Power Five at the moment, and Virginia Tech has an issue beating teams on the road. The hell, they have an issue beating teams at home. They certainly have an issue beating Power Five opponents. Um, they've shown even when they win – games against non-Power 5 opponents, those games are usually way closer than they should be, uh, especially against FCS teams. So, yeah, I mean, if Virginia Tech goes in there and loses, I think it's a huge boost to Marshall, right? Because it's kind of a feather in, in Charles Huff's cap uh, as he kind of builds a um, 
or maybe I guess resurrects what Doc Holliday was doing over there. But a, a loss is just kind of like par for the course in this game. I, I feel like, and I hate to say that, but that's just, yeah. I think that's, I think that's where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is true that that is depressing that losing to Marshall uh, doesn't necessarily make things that much worse. Uh, but ultimately, you know, there's a compounding effect here, right? Like, this coaching staff needs a little bit of proof of concept. They need a win, you know? Like last year, did beating Liberty at the end of the season make things all that much better? Like, no. no, but it's certainly better than the alternative. Like, you were an underdog to Liberty, but you didn't lose. You got three wins, not two. Like, you know, the two and two, like, you know, beating Marshall would mean probably a couple of things. Right. And we'll get to it. We'll preview the entire game. Beating Marshall means... The run defense, week to week improved and probably put on their best unstopping performance of the season, which yep. would be encouraging, implicative that they are indeed capable of it. Like, we don't know that they're actually capable of stopping the run yet. Not for a four, they haven't not shown for us, four quarters, no. Yeah, they haven't shown us that they can. So this would probably mean that they showed us that they could. Uh, it would mean that Kyron Drones is a good enough quarterback to competently run an offense that can win a game. That would be cool. That would be encouraging. Uh, yeah, I mean, those would be the primary two things that we'd be looking for there. So it can't make things better, right? Like, it doesn't necessarily make things worse, but like knowing that there's a fork in the road of, you know that going in and beating Marshall would mean they showed you a couple of good things. And it would certainly give you more faith going into some of these toss-up games, you know, or what seemed to be gettable games, right? I mean, you know, you have two gettable games behind you and they're both in the loss column. So beating Marshall would lead you to believe that maybe you can beat Syracuse, you probably beat Boston College, that UVA like is a game that could be won regardless of the injury situation. Uh, you know, they came away with a victory. That would give you hope. At one and three, the season effectively feels over. You know, you really are are, are struggling and, and making up scenarios in your head where you can go and beat power five opponents like it's an alternative that I feel like fans are like resigned to the fact that that's where we're going to be in a week, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen. So in that sense, like, yes, things will be worse because we're not there yet. It just feels like that's the direction that we're headed. We're not there yet. And coming, coming into the year. I mean, if you told me Virginia tech was going to be two and two in September, would that surprise you? No, no. No, I mean, one and three is far more likely than two and two based on what we've seen so far. 
We have not seen Virginia Tech play its best game, I don't think. I hope that we see that at some point this season. I hope it happens Saturday against Marshall. We'll preview that game later this week. But two and two feels a whole hell of a lot better than one and three. And two and two going into an going into an ACC home opener against a gettable Pittsburgh team. Pittsburgh sucks. Pittsburgh's got some issues. They can't prime stop time game too. P- Pittsburgh's got a lot of similar issues to Virginia Tech. Yes, primetime game that was announced today. Virginia Tech's got a lot of similar issues to Pittsburgh right now, right? Pitt's got a quarterback problem, which Virginia Tech is trying to solve. Pitt can't run the ball, and they can't stop the run. They have a lot of similar issues at Pittsburgh. I don't want to even know what the over-under is going to be in the game at Lane Stadium. <laughs> week from Saturday. I, I, it might be in the 30s, right? It might Rutgers be another almost blasted the, the over themselves. Yeah, yeah. Total was, total was 39 and a half, and Rutgers scored 35 on their own. Uh, yeah, I mean, a two and two September would not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, in fact, a two and two September, we've been making these jokes in our text thread every week. You know, it's been, you know, throughout the games, we've kind of been texting, like modifying our record predictions. Yep. I have a feeling if Virginia Tech beats Marshall, one of us, I think the candidate is Mr. LeBlue in the Virginia beach area and the seven, five, seven is going to send a text message and say, so five and seven. <laughs> it's an important, I mean, it's an important game. What did I send this week? So three, and nine. was it three and nine, three and nine, I think. <laughs> and I yeah. said, I still think four and eight or five and seven, I think was my response. It's pretty funny. actually. Uh, so Just a randomly like third quarter. So, Three nine. <laughs> I mean, look, like, I, I I do feel a little bit better about this team than I did about last year's team, right? No, I think I, you don't. <laughs> do you not? No, like, I really don't. I I felt better about the roster. Obviously, I felt better about the roster coming into the year on paper, but as currently constituted, with injuries to the two top wide receivers to the only two proven safeties on the roster. We don't have a middle linebacker. I, I am not feeling great about things right at this very moment. And and quarterback, the jury, I mean, I, I like some things at Drones Day on Saturday, obviously. I've made that point clear. But the jury is still very much out on quarterback, and Tech can't run the ball. So I'm not feeling particularly good because I just, I mean, going back to what we talked about, haven't seen progress. But I do think the team is more talented than it was last year. But still very deficient in some key spots which tried to warn people a lot of people were going out on a limb a lot of people in virginia tech media and podcasts and everything else saying oh six wins seven wins like the reason why none of us predicted a bowl game is because the most glaring weakness was not addressed and we just we hammered that home a bajillion times and it's coming home to roost, unfortunately, right? So I'm hoping the offensive line improves. But if the offensive line doesn't improve, it's going to be a very, very long year. And it's trending in that direction. So the Marshall game's gigantic. Anything else? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would just say that at least offensively, I mean, it was really bad last year, right? Like, remember, like, Iowa was the butt of jokes, uh, you know, Throughout the college football world, Virginia Tech technically had a worse offense than Iowa. 
mm-hmm. like at least throughout uh, obviously in the old dominion game like whatever that matters and the second quarter against purdue the second quarter against purdue half of and, like and for 12 part minutes of the third against quarter yeah against yeah. Rutgers. like we did see for a minute the offense kind of humming so that leads you to believe that they could do it again like There's last year when virginia tech scored it was like like the nc state game right like the one like half of football where they played way above expectations like that was like long bombs and like you know unlikely plays that you just were not seeing yeah very often for virginia tech like no you're seeing them kind of run an offense that can work like i'm just going to assume we're not going to see jennings for a while and hope that lane is back soon i i I would say that i don't want to rain on the parade but i do uh, Virginia Tech is 108th in total offense right now. Better than a year ago. What were they last year? Like 131 out of 134? They were, one, they were 126 or something like that. I, I need to go back and see where they finished. It was not good. It yeah, was... Ricky, so what you're talking about there is a roughly 20% increase in percentile. Like, that's still better. We'll uh, see. Okay. We're grasping, aren't we? <laughs> Okay. No, we're we're, we're literally <laughs> grasping for straws. But again, if they go out and they beat Marshall, it would mean they showed us some things. I think this team is somewhat capable of doing that. I don't like to reside myself to the idea that them putting it together for four quarters is not possible at this point. So and I think if they put it together for four quarters, they could beat Marshall and they could beat a lot of teams on their schedule. Again, for better or worse, like, and obviously they lost by 19 in the third quarter. They were in the Rutgers game. They could have gotten any offense going at all in the second half against Purdue. That was a winnable game. Those aren't good teams, but I don't think that they're going to be that much worse than Marshall, Syracuse, Boston College, UVA, etc. Pittsburgh, you know, we're not playing a schedule full of world beaters. So, like, a little bit of in-season improvement, which, you know, we saw it in 2019. Now, that was a much more talented roster. Like in a completely different staff, a completely different staff. But again, I mean, I'm just trying to stay somewhat optimistic because there's obviously, uh, you know, like we talked about going into the first four games of the season, what's more likely, oh, and four and four and oh, it was like, yeah, oh, and four is far more likely. Well, that's how I feel about the rest of the season, right? Like, yeah really negative outcomes seem much more likely than somewhat encouraging and positive outcomes. But, you know, we're not even a third of the way through the season yet. The last thing I'll say is, um, and I, I said this earlier in the podcast, but I want to drive the point home. Virginia Tech can solve all of their problems by wearing maroon helmets. Hammered the point home. (laughs) 
win by a point on Saturday. That just win the game. I, I don't. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just win the game. A, a victory pod would be nice. I don't think we're gonna have many of them this year. So one next week would be nice. Yeah, that'd be good. Agreed. Anything else? Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, make sure you uh, patron all of our sponsors. We're very thankful to have Vivid Seats on. Uh, shout out to them for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe again. Make sure you follow the boys on Twitter. Um, and we'll be back in maybe about 48 hours for the Marshall preview. Andrew, anything? Um. Uh... You know, I'll say shout out to the Virginia Tech fan base. Uh, obviously, a lot of Virginia Tech representation up north. Uh, people coming from there. Some people going back there. Some people going there for the first time in the New York area. Uh, either way, a strong showing from the Hokie fan base. But it's great to see a lot of uh, familiar faces out there. And you know, I'll give Rutgers a little bit of credit. It wasn't the worst game day experience. You know, they plenty of scarlet in that crowd. And, you know, the home crowd, obviously, got to enjoy it. But uh, overall, outside of the actual product on the field, uh, a fun game day uh, spent with uh, friends and family there. So shout out to Rutgers for being good hosts. Beautiful. We'll be back next week for the or next week. We'll be back later this week for the preview pod. <laughs> it's late. Well, yeah, it's late. We'll discuss Marshall. Until then, go Hokies.